As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Episode 30, The Coercive Control, How to Steer Clear with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. You're listening to The Race for the Ring, a podcast about dating in the digital decade. I am your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm a PR queen, a published inspirational author, motivational speaker, mom, and dating diva. Each week, I'll have a special guest dish dating dilemmas and delights with me, and together we'll maneuver how to play the game, not get played, and claim the most prized possession, self-love. Ready, set, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Race for the Ring. This is Mindy Barnett coming at ya. I feel like a DJ. <laughs> Anyways, I always wanted to do that in my past life. Um, I want to just take a moment and reflect. I am a Jew through and through. Um, now I sound like a rapper. And anyway, I just wanted to um, acknowledge the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah and the High Holy Days um, to everyone who celebrates. I also want to share the fact that this is the time where we take a moment, take pause or an intermission, if you want to go back to the book, um, my book, I should say, and um, just reflect on the last year, um, this time last year versus where we are today, and um, mistakes that we may have made along the way, and lessons that we've learned from them that essentially make them non-mistakes and life lessons instead, as well as what our goals might be for the new year, um, and being nicer and kinder certainly is something we all should be implementing into our day-to-day. And then coming up is um, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. That is um, next Monday, um, the 28th of September. And in the Jewish faith, we um, take that day and we ask God for forgiveness. Um, and we also hope that he puts us in the book of life, which is essentially in the Jewish faith, something we believe is ins- he inscribes your name in the book of life if you're going to live another year. Um, it's kind of morbid to think about it like that. And I 
try not to because it's, in my opinion, somewhat scary. But I think it gives us a moment to just remember that life isn't always guaranteed and, and tomorrow is not always um, something that it, we all have the opportunity and um i guess um you know blessing to enjoy unfortunately and you just never know what curveball you're going to be thrown so to appreciate um each and every day and those in your lives that are bringing meaning and love and joy into your life and support and care so that's just my sentiment um i'm definitely taking time to do everything i just mentioned i try to do that pretty much daily anyway, as part of my, um, you know, MO at the beginning of the morning and the end of the day, just take a moment to reflect. But um, as we get busy and things get hectic, and it certainly are to say the least for everyone, especially now in the midst of this still pandemic, um, I think it's especially important to just know that we are indeed blessed to be here um, on earth. So that was my just sentiment to share. Um, and some of the joy that I certainly hope to gain this new year is um, the love of a man in a new relationship, if I should ever get into one. <laughs> I'm dating um, a few different people at the moment, and they all are awesome. Um, I don't really, well, some of them I know better than others, um, but I would really, my goal for myself is to kind of like hone in on one and focus on that person and hopefully have a really found partnership in that person. And I know many of you listening today probably agree that's something that you're hoping for as well. So without further ado, I want to talk about our new our guest for today. Um, she is new to the Race for the Ring. She's not a repeat. Her name is Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. And Dr. Jamie Zuckerman is a therapist. She is a PhD and she is um, amongst a lot of other um, specialties, a relationship expert. And we're going to hone in today on a little Little bit of an uglier side of relationships. So something that people may not necessarily even know that they're engrossed in. It's called a coercive relation, coercive relationship, excuse me. And basically it's um, a control situation that you don't necessarily realize you're you're entwined in until it's almost too late. And then you have to break the invisible chains and set yourself free. So to give you a little bit of backstory um, about Jamie, she is a cognitive behavioral therapist, and she's going to share all of the details about how we can steer clear from coercive control. She is a specialized um, expert in depression, anxiety, and as I mentioned, relationship difficulties. She's located in PA, right outside of Philadelphia, and the invisible chains of a coercive relationship are really hard to break. Um, according to her, you're going to hear a lot about why that is the case and um, signs that you can watch out for really early on in a relationship or even the start of dating someone that has the... Um, I guess, uh, I don't want to say symptoms, but signs of possibly being a coercive person um, so that you can like essentially set yourself free before you're entwined into their chamber, <laughs> so to speak. So um, essentially a place that we nobody really wants to ever be in. Um, so I'm hoping that this episode is going to share a lot of light um, so that you don't end up in that situation yourself. 
So that is the combo with Jamie. In the meantime, I want to give you a heads up that next week's episode, we're going to be speaking with Caroline Stanbury. She's actually located in Dubai. So I'll be recording with her super, super early in the morning. Um, you'll notice with her, though, she's got a lovely British accent. She's from London originally. And she was on the reality TV show, Ladies of London. She's going to be um, this, the guest in a, a, a second series. Like, there's probably going to be more that I'm going to be doing. But this is called the Cougar Chronicles Part 2, Part two, basically. Um, I'm going to be talking about the age gap of love. She's actually involved with a much younger man. Um, and she like is thrilled. She loves it. She's never going back to someone her age or even older. And she's going to tell us why. So, um, if you have any questions for, um, Caroline, please feel free to comment in the comment section of race for the ring and want to remind everybody to please rate and review. It helps people find our podcast. Um, it also, you know, helps with the, uh, you know, algorithms and so forth with, um, Apple podcasts. And we're also on Stitcher and on, um, Spotify now. So it helps with that too. Um, I want to thank Cameron Kale for her um, or his, I'm not sure. <laughs> could go either way. Um, but nevertheless, for, for their amazing um, review. Thank you. Thank you. She says, he says, I love Mindy. She keeps it real and talks about the dating scene, what it's really like. The guest share um, funny and interesting stories, and I can't wait for more episodes to come out. So I promise there will be more funny ones. The today's episode isn't overly funny; it's more informative. But up next, you'll you'll hear the next week's, as I mentioned with Caroline, is going to be hilarious. So, anyways, buckle up and let's listen to Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So this is a dating show, um, not a game dating show, like a dating <laughs> show. We get into the nitty gritty of the good, the bad, the evil, the ugly, the beautiful of being in the dating scene and ultimately a relationship. Um, but before we get into some of the negative side of being in a relationship or dating, because um, obviously the subject is coercive relationships today, um, let's hear a little bit about you, what your specialty is, where you're based, like all that good stuff and how you became Jamie Zuckerman. Sure. So uh, I am in private practice in Ardmore, right outside Philadelphia, and I see adults 18 and over. Um, I pretty much see and specialize in anxiety disorders, depression, and a lot of relationship issues in terms of the dynamics between, you know, anything from a spouse to a boyfriend or a girlfriend, family members. Um, and then I have a subspecialty in working with people with medical illnesses who are having difficulty psychologically adjusting to it or um, just dealing with medical illnesses in general. That's so important. How special. I mean, I guess people like obviously being diagnosed with God forbid cancer and sure. things that are life-changing to see. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So, um, in regards to the relationships, um, you know, I guess lane, if you will, of your practice, mm -hmm. what are some of the different special like situations that anxiety or self doubt or, you know, depression, um, how does that kind of come into play in the dating scene? In sure. Professional opinion. 
So a lot of times what happens is I, I usually see primarily women uh, and a lot of the dating issues that I see are um, a lot of women with a lot, as you said, self-doubt or self-esteem issues that end up in relationships that are extremely toxic, that are um, repeated patterns that they've been in in the past that they can't break free of because they don't really understand why they keep going. So they'll come in, they'll say, I keep ending up with the same type of person over and over and over again. Why do I keep doing this? Help me stop. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of that. Um, what are some is, of the key, not to interrupt you, but what are yeah, some sure. of the key tools that you try to instill in these uh, patients so that they are, I mean, obviously it takes probably months, maybe years of therapy to kind of mm -hmm. dive in and figure out what it is that's inside the person that's creating that self-doubt to begin with. But for those listening, what would you say if you had to kind of pinpoint a couple things like just, you know, to, that people should be mindful of if mm -hmm. you know, they are that in that category um, that they should be like, you know you know, I guess, try to correct, if you will. Sure. So I think the mindful that you said is very important. And I, and I work a lot with um, women on being present and mindful in the moment of the patterns that they're engaging in. So one of the first things that I'll do is kind of go through their history of the relationships that they've had, even with family members growing up, previous boyfriends or girlfriends or, or spouses, and even with their children, and just look at the common factors mm -hmm. that show up in their patterns that maybe they didn't recognize before. Um, and then kind of get them to a point where when they're in the dating world or they're in a relationship to be able to pause and stop and say, I'm doing it again, or I'm repeating that pattern again, and have kind of alternative strategies to engage in rather than repeating the same thing over and over. And I always tell people, you'll know that you're doing the right thing if it feels horrifically uncomfortable at first. Mm -hmm. If everything feels kind of complacent and, and, and um, familiar, then you're probably doing an unhealthy pattern. Mm -hmm. So basically like giving in or being like overly pleasing to uh, exactly. date or, you know, doing things that you, cause you feel like you're, they're going to get upset with you, like exactly. stuff like that. And yeah, and also, you know, things to look for, red flags to look for early on in dating. How does your date speak to waiters and waitresses and bartenders? That's extremely important. Um, are they rude? Are they demeaning? Because how they treat them is kind of a microcosm of how they're going to treat you. Mm -hmm. um, things like, you know, how are they speaking to you in conversation? Are they letting you talk about yourself? Are they asking you questions about you or is the conversation all directed towards them? Are you feeling pulled in the direction of not wanting to talk about yourself because you feel like they're disinterested? Is that a pattern for you? Feeling like your needs don't matter? Feeling like, you know, what you do in life doesn't matter? Are you, are you being pulled in that direction again? So hmm. little things like that to just be mindful of in the dialogues that you're having with people. Okay. That's really good advice. Okay. So let's get into the course of um, relationships. That's probably, you know, in, in our show, we've kind of touched on narcissism. Mm -hmm. We've touched on, you know, domestic violence a little bit. Um, this is probably in my um, unprofessional opinion because I'm not mm -hmm. a therapist yet. I'm mm -hmm. going back to school for it actually. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Um, but that, that said, um, this this is, in, again, my opinion, probably one that's harder to essentially like uh, spot, especially in the beginning. So for everyone listening who, are, who doesn't know, what is coercive um, you know, abuse, if you will? 
So chorus of abuse, it, it can be, it's very subtle at times. You don't really know that it's happening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like to describe relationships like that as, and, and particularly you see this with narcissism a lot, but very gradually over time, slowly, it's like a bar is put up around you and you don't realize it's happening. And then it's very kind of passive aggressive, um, before you know it, you're in this cage and you're completely separated from everybody and you don't know how you got there and you can't get out or you feel like you can't get out. So they separate um, you from like your friends and family? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very slowly, very manipulative. You don't, you don't, the things like, you know, I don't really like, you know, I don't really like your friend, Mindy. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't trust her. Things huh. like that where, mm. you know, and if, and if you start to believe that reality as your reality and you take that on, um, it's very common for women to all of a sudden, you know, one day look around and realize they don't speak to their family. They don't speak to their friends. They don't really have anyone around them. And that's very purposeful. Um, but they, why do they that do that? Happening. Why does the coercive person do that? Because they don't want anybody to change your mind. They don't want anybody to give you a different opinion. Wow. They want to keep the abuse very close to them so that nobody else sees what's going on. Okay. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, but I probably have the wrong terminology. No, 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 no. It is. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, say yeah. a lot, I see a lot of women in situations like this. I say this is probably the number one thing that I see. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very common for women to come in and say, you know, I, 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 it's crazy making. This behavior is crazy making. It makes you doubt your reality. It makes you doubt your perceptions of people. It makes you doubt how you feel. Um, and before you know it, you kind of lose your sense of identity and your reality is so based on what the other person's telling you to believe that that's what makes it so hard to leave these relationships. Wow. Um, when you have that dependency in one person and the narcissism, let's say, in another person or the abusiveness in the other person, um, it's, it's hard to get out of because you, you kind of, women will say they feel like a shell of, the, of their former selves. Wow. So how, um, how, how, my first question, I have a few, um, to say the least, but how is this different than narcissism or is it sort of the same? It, I, they all overlap. They do. They all overlap. Yeah. I mean, I, it's very common, you know, a lot of people say I'm, I'm with someone that's very manipulative and, and gets in my head. And that doesn't mean they have narcissistic personality disorder. It, it's kind of on a continuum. So somebody can have more traits of narcissism than, than someone else, but it doesn't mean they have a personality disorder. That doesn't mean they're any easier to deal with, but um, this all overlaps. They're all kind of symptoms of the same. So this is more of a controlling pattern where the yeah. narcissism is more about kind of manipulating the person and making things all about themselves. It's still, no, it's still very much control because you're an extension of them. You're their property. So they, they do feel that need to control what you wear, what you say, um, what you do and who you're with. It, you know, a lot of women who get out of these relationships, um, they'll say, you know, oh my God, I woke up this morning and I put on workout clothes that I wasn't ever allowed to wear because they were too tight. And I went to a class to work out. I, I, I did yoga. I've never done that before. And it's, so it's, it's, it's this it's control. Yeah. It's control. And it's control because you are an extension of them. You are their property. You don't, you don't, you exist only to their needs. 
And how does one even pull themselves out of this? Like, I know, yeah. um, you know, with the, the women that I've interviewed on that show that I mentioned about narcissism was one woman, my guest. She mm -hmm. was a victim of, of two narcissistic relationships. And she was saying like, it was like virtually impossible because yes. they make you feel like you're nuts. And then you yes. really want to work it out. Like, cause there was so much happiness in the beginning. And yep. I guess that's like, okay, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. So in the beginning, what happens a lot of times in these types of relationships is there's that love bombing stage, which she probably discussed where in the beginning, it seems too good to be true. You feel like soulmates. You feel like, how did I, how did I not find you sooner? I've never felt like this before. Um, very kind of, um, on the other person's part, very, um, persuasive and manipulative and kind of gets you into this position where they suck you in. They, they make it like it's a fairy tale. Do they know they're doing that? Yes. Yes. They, yes. they consciously know yes. that they're doing that. They must yes. be in hell doing that then because they have no desire to do any of that probably. Right. Mm -hmm. Correct. It wow. serves a function. It serves a purpose. So for somebody who is you know, good to the core and just wants to take care of someone and just, you know, kind of has, is on that dependency end of things. Yeah. That's a very perfect puzzle piece fit for, you know, dependency and narcissism. They, they go very well to unhealthy, but they go together because they just want to make the person happy. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a narcissist and, or, well, let's stick with a coercive person. Do they like have like, um, like antennas up to like, know who that yes. like person yes. is going to be, how just getting to know people and seeing like, yes. they must yes. be really smart. I can't read people that quickly. Um, they're very in tune to other people's emotions in a weird way. They pick up on things like, do you have a close relationship with your family? If you don't, that's better for them. Okay. Are you, are you, um, single with, you know, three kids and you really need somebody else in your life right now to hold you together. You know, they look for things like that. that they, they want vulnerability have. basically. Yes, exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. Uh -huh. They're not going to find somebody who is, you know, um, I mean, maybe they would, but it probably wouldn't work out, but because it would be kind of too, too, too much of a clash, but they're not going to, go for somebody who is super self-sufficient and very strong-willed and, um, you know, kind of tells them like it is. They don't want that. They, they want somebody that puts them first and makes them feel good at the expense of the other person's needs. So like a narcissist is a coercive person. Are they also like a victim right, of something here. that it's something that may have happened um, in their childhood, whether they were put up on a pedestal or neglected? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you have these kind of unhealthy patterns, um, it, 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 it's usually because you picked up on things that, um, let me find you again. You, you picked up on things that were unhealthy dynamics that could look like kind of like you said, one of two things. It could be that you were held at this very high, you know, high standard and that there was a ton of expectations on you and you were the golden child and nothing you did could be wrong 
Mm. Um, and there were no, the biggest thing is that there were no consequences for your actions. For example, you get a DUI when you're 16 years old, let's say, and Uh your parents get you out, they hire, you know, they, they, there's no consequences for you, which I'm sure if parents have the ability to do, they would do, but it's more than just that. It's with anything. There are no consequences. You can do no wrong. So you grow up thinking that you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I can get away with whatever. Yeah. Exactly. The example, this is an extreme example because this is more in the antisocial sociopathic realm, but but the example I like to give a lot is Scott Peterson, the Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson case. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott Peterson's mother was a perfect example of this. Her son still to this day could do no wrong. The way she spoke of him was so bizarre. I mean, I guess, cause I'm a psychologist, I noticed it, but it was, he was the golden child. There was literally no consequences to anything he did. So if you believe that enough, and maybe you have another parent who's telling you you're not worthy of anything, those two things combined can kind of be a recipe for disaster. How um, so? You would think that that one would even the other out. I mean, from a novice point of view. Yeah, it really kind of messes with someone's sense of self and their identity because you're getting two conflicting messages. Uh huh. So, so they just stick with a better one. <laughs> it's it's not well. Neither neither are good because one is you end up not respecting anybody else because there's no right. I meant I meant like better in your yeah. mind. Not they're both horrible. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or you think you're such a piece of crap because you're told that, and then you use that validation from the other person to kind of boost you up. So in both situations, you're getting validation about who you are and how you how you relate to the world from two other people. It's not from yourself. Okay. So it's very dangerous to get um, reinforcement about who you are and, and how you are to the world from solely from other people. Yeah. That's not the way to do it. Right? Yeah. Um, um, and the other thing too, that, too. That, you can, that you can pick up on too is, you know, the opposite end of things where if you are, you know, in a, in a family where, let's say dad's an alcoholic and mom, let's say is very passive and does everything she can to protect the kids from that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, what the kids learn is that that behavior is acceptable and that they learn that it's okay to, in a way, they know kicking the dad out. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. very hard. It's very, very hard. So that sends a message. So there's all these things that that send messages to somebody that their sense of self is very low and doesn't exist. So when they get older, they use that pattern to make themselves feel better. So you, so my dad put me down, let's say when he was drinking and he would come home at, you know, two in the morning on Saturday and start screaming at my mom and screaming at me, let's say Mm -hmm. that kid will grow up and could go a bunch of ways. But in this particular situation, let's say that they feel so crappy about themselves. And so what they do is they freak out on people at two o'clock in the morning because that gives them some sense of control because that's what they saw. Wow. That's crazy. That's a shame. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, before we get back to the person dating this kind of mm-hmm. a personality, is there hope for the person that is a coercive person or? So the core, so coerciveness itself is, is more, it's more about creating this power differential, right. In a relationship. So, yeah. um, when you have a need to create a power differential in your relationship, it's because you need to feel in control of the other person 
for your own insecurities. Maybe you're scared they'll leave you. Maybe you're scared they'll cheat on you. Maybe you're scared that they'll see the real you and they'll leave you. Um, so how does controlling someone prohibit them from seeing the quote real you? Because if you have that much control over someone, you can influence their judgments. You can influence their perceptions. You can tell them that the way they're looking at something is wrong and they'll believe you. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So, you know, the coerciveness I look at is more of a symptom of a bigger picture Mm -hmm. uh, because certain types of personalities are going to want that power differential in relationships. Mm -hmm. So how do you were asking how how does somebody get out of that mm-hmm. is that what you're asking it's it's very very difficult um because to leave means that you have to be able to understand that your reality is not their reality that you can function on your own and when you've been in a course of relationship for a long time and you feel like you have no power in that relationship and that somebody else is kind of in charge of you mm-hmm. from your finances to what you wear to who you speak to if you were to leave, you kind of don't have any guidance as to what's, what you should be doing or not. Wow. So I guess it sounds like you need a lot of therapy and help yeah. from support. Yeah. So yeah. what if you're just in an early stage of dating? Because a lot of our listeners are sort of, mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine some are maybe married and also in yeah. like serious relationships too, but there are a lot that are in the early stages of dating or sure. just, you know, not dating and trying to date or whatever it may be. So, um, I, I guess like can, if you can name three things, say that you should be really, really, um, you know, eyes wide open about mm-hmm. like mindful of, um, when you're out with someone new or sure. a new person, like what would they be? So I think the, the first thing is if you feel within the very beginning of the relationship that it is moving really quickly, that the word soulmates have, that's come up that um, I've never felt like this before. And it's very in your face, lots of gifts, lots of adoring, um, spending every second together, texting all the time. So basically too much for the beginning. Usually that's a red flag. Um, okay. Yeah. When it seems to, I hate, I, I don't mean this in a pessimistic way, but when it seems too good to be true within the first three weeks, first month, um, there's usually a reason why that's happening. Um, and it's usually some sort of kind of control on one person's end to kind of suck you in pretty fast. Now, okay. this doesn't mean it's going to end up disastrous. I mean, relationships do start like just that. Just be and careful. End up fine. Yeah. Just be mindful. Be guarded, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah, don't exactly. dump the person. because maybe Exactly. The exactly. Don't be like, they're so good to me, yeah. I'm going to break up with them. But just yeah. be mindful of that pattern. Okay. Um, the other thing would be, again, like I said, watch how they speak to people that are kind of in the service industry, when you go out to dinner, when you're Mm -hmm. in an Uber, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're ordering a drink, when they're on the phone with people, if they call Comcast because their cable's out, listen to how they speak to people Mm. um, and, and see if it's condescending, if it's arrogant, right. If it's entitled, anything like that is a, is a red flag as well. Um, And then lastly, I would say, you know, like I said before, be, be aware of the type of dialogue you have with them. Is the conversation usually focused on them, what they're doing, their needs, how their work is going, what their life was like? Are they asking you questions about you? And if they are, do they even remember 
your answers? Or do you feel like you're repeating yourself over and over again at every date because they just must not be listening to you? Right. Because they're just asking maybe for the sake because it's the right thing to do. They don't really care. Right, right. You'd be exactly. like, oh, I'm flying to the moon tomorrow. Oh, that's exactly. Great. Right, right, <laughs> right. Have a exactly. nice trip. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then the next day they'll say, they didn't ask about the moon was. They said, well, yeah, exactly. Florida. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is really good info. I know you have to run because you have patients to see um, and very important meetings and stuff like that for sure. Um, let everybody know where we can find you, Jamie. If you sure. Um, so my website is. Is Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, J A I M E. I blame my parents for spelling it weird. So oh, it's cool. Spelled. I like it. I'm M I N D I E. So one oddball <laughs> to the next. I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nothing's ever spelled our way. So um, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman.com. And then I'm on Instagram um, at uh, Dr. Period um, Z underscore psychologist. Okay. So Dr. Z underscore psychologist. Um, and I post a lot of things about relationships on there, about narcissism, um, you know, aspects of course of relationships and just kind of strategies on how to deal with those types of patterns. Okay. So, that's great. Great information. Yeah. Thank you so much. For You're being so here. welcome. Thank I appreciate you. all the insight and keeping our race for the ring, dating divas and divos safe <laughs> and staying away from the bad people out there. Yes. There's like yes. a lot of good people to be had. You don't have to yes. stick with the bad apples, right? <laughs> with the worms inside. The worms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the Rosh Hashanah mode. That's Um, right, 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 right. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Okay. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Race for the Ring. If you liked today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death to a date. I'll catch you next week. And in the meantime, be sure to say hi and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. My handles and contacts are in the show notes. It's been my pleasure to have you along for today's dating debate. Bye-bye. This episode of The Race for the Ring was brought to you by Furco's Fine Jewelry. The family-owned, multi-generational family jeweler is known for their handcrafted custom designs. Not only do they create stunning rings, they have an incredible array of personalized gemstones, personalized pieces, and of course, diamonds. Follow them on Instagram at Furco's Fine Jewelry or head over to their website at furcosfinejewelry.com. And if you use code MINDY15 when checking out, you'll get 15% off your first purchase. Happy shopping!